when you're not holding a value system, a lot of consequences can happen after that. Mm. A lot of collapsing that that can happen within you for that. If you're not, if you don't know what you're really living for, if you don't know what you're really standing for, if you're not really listening to your instinct and really following your your calling, and if you're not clean enough to even hear it in the beginning, so that's also another problem to deal with. You know, a lot of people want to be at a certain uh, status of life or a certain position without really doing the sacrifices they have to do on a daily basis. Welcome to Lucas Crobot Show. I'm Lucas Crobot, and this is where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Today, we are joined by Yosef El Kanai, who is the founder of Forward Sports out of Kuwait. He has run four, that's right, four ultra marathons. That's 240 kilometers a marathon. It's over 100 miles each, which is pretty incredible for someone who self-proclaims hates running. And he is a writer and his articles are amazing, talking about atheism, talking about purpose, talking about greatness. And Yosef, I am so glad to have you on the show today. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Really, it's uh, I'm very happy to be here, really. Yosef, I, I wanted to start on on the four ultra marathons. I mean, most people have a hard enough time running one marathon, but you've <laughs> run four ultras and you say that you hate running. I'd love to hear how did someone who, who says that they hate running end up running for that long? Well, I ever thought I hated it because I did the four ultras. Maybe it worked that way, you know? <laughs> well, uh, well, I've never enjoyed sports in my life. I, I was I was an obese kid up until the age of seventeen. I was one hundred thirty kilograms. So, just just getting getting into a sport or healthy lifestyle was never something I looked forward to. It's never something that was part of my upbringing or part of even it wasn't even part of our culture mm. up until like uh, like up until forward sports started to do some events and you know then people start to go out. So I got into running just. It's crazy, man. It's just it's a 240 kilometer run. It's I needed to do something bigger than what I thought my abilities were. I was very young at that time. So I did the marathon in Sablis first. That was in Morocco, a 240 kilometer, which is considered amongst the toughest races in the world. And I signed up without knowing anything about it. Like just like I I didn't do a 10K run at that time or 5K. Yeah, I would do sports. I mean, I go to gym every day at that time. And I've lost the 50 kilogram already three years before that time, but yeah, signing up for an ultra, I mean, it's, uh, and then thinking that you have to run, like, uh, like every time you go for a 20K run or a 30K run, you'll start thinking, man, it's, I, I have to do this like 12 more times there in five days period. And it's, it's surely challenging. And then we did in Kuwait right after that for three years in a row, uh, where I did also a run across the north to south of Kuwait from the northern borders to the southern borders of Kuwait. And first year we did it in three days, actually. Uh, actually exactly 80 hours, so a little bit more than three days. Wow. We did the whole two, 243 kilometer. It was exactly sharp. And one thing I can say about this whole ultra running thing is, I mean, it changes you so much, but the main thing that I've realized changed, and I think maybe that's why I stopped running after that, or I said, you know, I don't want to run anymore because I did it for, you'll do things for a certain reason that you cannot understand in the beginning, but you'll, you'll feel that you're destined to do something or, you're more drawn to a certain path. And then once, only once after it's completed, you realize the full picture and the full value of it. And I realized that com comparing my four experiences from the first, second, up until the fourth, that like in the first, for example, I couldn't believe that I can do such a thing. 
you know, before I did the one in Morocco. So it's very hard to believe of yourself and to believe that you're able to actually run these distances or do any sort of challenges, really. And then second and third, fourth time, it was crazy how the mindset just changed incredibly. You know, I remember the fourth time is where I decided before I even did it, I decided this will be my last time is just before I got into it. I was like, I knew I was going to do it. And then, you know, going back to my first year where there was no damn belief that I can even do quarter of it. Now, in your in your writing, as we mentioned in the beginning, you're a writer and you weren't always a writer. You didn't always see yourself as a writer. But in your writing, you have talked about greatness, the cost of greatness, and all of that is kind of framed in sacrifice. And when I hear someone running a, an ultra marathon, you know, th- those are, are goals that, you know, supersede what I, my aspirations in fitness. And I think, well, that's pretty incredible. That's great. Um, that is a, you know, a measure of greatness. Of course, different people have different values, but I mean, it's still an extraordinary achievement, but with that has come probably a lot of self-sacrifice for you to get there. I would love to hear some of what is your perspective on greatness? What does it take to be great in this day and age? Uh, Well, start with really, really believing in yourself. I believe so. I think so much of the lack of greatness we have today is because of lack of self-belief. And we don't have proper education systems or proper even sociological systems or not even so much of, I mean, like if we're talking regionally or where, where I come from or the region I come from, it's, it's might be the least, uh, it might be the least places built for the establishment of great ventures or greatness as a whole, but personal, personal commitment to what you want to achieve next and really believing in what you're like, really believing in what you can really provide either in your career wise or your education wise, or even your personal fitness wise, like what I chose to, it's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. And, and people need to be able to cross these limits and to be able to make those decisions to achieve a certain level of greatness. And like a lot, a lot of schools today, we will, we will see them as, you know, the most important thing is being happy or important thing is being peace or condensed with yourself. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, so much of the birth of those schools is actually also birth the lack of greatness. That's what I believe because mm. we're, we're supposed to be chasing after we're supposed to be going after we're supposed to be lo- looking at the next right answer as, uh, Mark Gillette used to tell me, uh, my life coach long time ago, may he rest in peace. And it's always about the next right answer and what's, what's next to do. I'm going to push back a little bit on that because, and I see what you're saying that right now in, there's a lot of schools of thought in society that's saying, you know, just be happy, you know, do what makes you comfortable, do what you enjoy. Um, yeah. Almost setting the bar so low that saying don't, don't bother to achieve. But at the same time, you know, you cited that one reason that people aren't achieving and aren't really pushing for greatness is because they don't believe in themselves. But I feel like and I don't have data to back this up, but my my suspicion from the things that I consume on the internet, um, what what I see in social media, if when I when I talk to people, there is this level of 
of self-belief and whether it's entitlement or um, just kind of believing that they're the next best thing since sliced bread, yeah, it seems yeah. like a, there's a lot of people who believe that actually I am, I am great. And if you say otherwise, then, you know, screw yeah, you, yeah. but it doesn't seem to be translating to yeah, great yeah. feats and great achievements in life. Yeah. Why? Well, well, the standard of people differs so much. That's the standard of what is really greatness from each individual to the other, you know, for a lot of people achieving a conformist life of just being able to do certain things or having a specific uh, job, let's say, or just getting their first job, let's say for some people that might be the ultimate goal of their next 10, 15 years for a lot of people that might not be it, you know, like I've, I've, uh, I've read some stuff about Elon Musk, for example, and now he reads two books a day. I don't know if that's true or not, but, but I've seen people who would read a book a day, like uh, I've sat with them, spoke with them. And for them, it's just, this is, this will be the standard for them. So yeah, there might not be a lot of translation of people really believing, like believing in themselves because also people mistake self-belief with just being egocentric or some narcissism as well that comes with it. Uh, just who I am and I'm great. I'm great. And everybody sees the world in their own image at some point. And so to, to go from that to really achieving something great, I mean, the way I'll see it personally, like being great is really when you're contributing to the society. I mean, I don't think there is any other meaning to that. I mean, you cannot just be great just by yourself. I like you know, that. People who believe that they can be great by themselves are actually tyrants, you know, people who just believe that who they are can actually flourish into something greater and can actually transcend to the people. But really being great is being able to either create something or hold an ideology of some sort that actually opens up the gates for others as well to pursue such path. It's not just for you, really. You cannot be selfish about it. So, so you said something there that there's a group of people who are just narcissistic. They are just, they just, you know, it's just vanity. They're just licking their own paws and saying, I am great. And, but there's a difference between being narcissistic and not actually contributing anything and just having a big ego versus someone who's the real definition of greatness, as, as you have put it, which is someone that, that is contributing in an enormous way to society, bringing value, bringing uh, something, offering something to the table for other people, and yeah. that there's a different sort of belief. It's not a, a narcissism, but it's a, a, a deeper gr- grounded and rooted identity that says, I have the ability to serve others. I have the ability to give to others. Can you expound on that difference yeah. that you see between narcissism and uh, real greatness? Well, there's nothing wrong with being a narcissist. I mean, uh, narcissism is actually a beautiful thing. You know? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's a, it self-regulates you, you know, when like a lot of things are hitting you. I mean, I don't think, I think we all have a good dose of, narci- of narcissism. It's just when that's the only thing you have, then it becomes a problem. And I think you've been accused of that. I've been accused of that. <laughs> you know, people have accused of that can look at each other in a certain way. So, but at the end of the day, it's not like there's nothing wrong with narcissism if it's aligning you and putting you on the right track and believing in yourself when things get really bad, let's say, you know, like when hell hits you, no matter what it is in life, like being a narcissist actually will regulate you because you'll have, you'll hold such high regard of who you are 
that you won't accept yourself collapsing or but, falling, but, no, but Yosef, no matter what the hit is. But Yosef, wouldn't would narcissism also blind you so when you get hit, you're not actually waking up to the, the pains in your life that you need to solve? <laughs> I'll say that's 80% of narcissists. <laughs> that's why, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's something I've chased for most of my intellectual life. It's like, are we moved toward a certain destiny or are we pulled by it? Because... It's, it's very, very, very hard to being able to point on someone great and know that they were able to reach this goal or that kind of status because of one, two, three. Like it's almost impossible, actually. It's all those of books, you know, trying to set some sort of rules like Outliers by Matt Gladwell or Mastery by Robert Greene and a lot of others who try to somehow explain what does it take, let's say, to be at a certain place. And it's a big question. And honestly speaking, I don't think I've reached an un- an answer for it that comforts me to know. All I know is that all what I comfort myself with when thinking of this question or when answering someone is like, I believe if you're as, as cliche as that sounds, yeah, somebody is really, really pure of their grudges against things or against people or anything really. And they're not holding any kind of hateful feelings. They can really start listening. You know what I mean? They can really start listening to what's really pulling them and, then choosing a certain career or choosing a certain way to achieve that kind of pull, it's not really a hard thing to do. I mean, when you start listening, it's you really know what your path should be like. Of course, you have to learn how to maneuver your way through life and push for your career and stuff. You touched on uh, purpose. You touched on tuning in and listening and having an awareness of who you are, having an awareness of what you're your path is, your purposes, what your yeah. destiny destiny is, what you were designed to do. And you write on your blog about the atheism and the cracks in yeah. atheism and how, and this is something that we talk about here all the time on the show, of nihilism, atheism, and uh, secular humanism, and how, and you articulate this in your writing, how it the, by the very foundation of it is a foundation of purposelessness and meaninglessness. Um, yeah. And I see in this current generation, uh, it's more so in Europe and the West, but the more conversations that I have here in the Khalij, um, it is, I think it's nearly just as widespread, but it's just masked underneath um, some... Uh, good blankets, let's just say. It's masked yeah, yeah, underneath yeah. some, exactly, some yeah. different titles, but of, of nihilism. So how can someone who has this nihilistic worldview or, or feels like they don't even know if there is meaning in the world, if there is purpose in the world, how can they move forward to find meaning in life? That's that's what that's what atheists cannot answer really. I mean, they're still moved toward a certain destination and they fight for their beliefs and and yet they believe that there is no purpose in what they're doing. And it's it's kind of the one of the things that has fascinated me throughout the years. Like you'll see atheists fighting for their beliefs and they're really imposing their beliefs and and then so they're actually believing in something and they're believing on a purpose to to chase, which is believing in their ideology. So believing in a higher meaning is not really our choice, I guess. So I mean it's a lot of questions in that in that question itself, but 
having a set of belief and chasing after something is not something I believe we have any control over. It's just given to us. I mean, we do it in our own ways. You do it in your own way. I'll do it in my own way. And but again, it's all it's all a chase after something greater. I'll I'll an ex, an atheist to me, very personal opinion is like an extremist in any religious belief. They're extremists and they wish to see the world in their own image. I mean. We all have a tendency to want to spread our ideas to see the world in our image. There's nothing wrong with that. It's part of our calling and part of part of really passing on our legacies and generations. But an atheist, to me, I believe, is as bad as an extreme, an extreme religious of all kinds of religions, an extremist of how toxic they could become for not believing in something because they could get it all wrong. The whole non-belief can be understood in a very, very wrong manner. And uh, yeah. It's a big subject. You, you said earlier that that people, you know, in order to be great, you have to contribute something to society, and that something even yeah. could be an ideology that helps other people. And and then you pointed out this uh, contradiction within atheism, which you know, from atheism comes there is no meaning, there is no purpose, but yet. I believe in your writing, you say then they they hold on to the fact that there is no purpose, that that becomes their purpose. So it's almost a self-contradicting ideology. But then wouldn't that mean that they too could find purpose and they too could be great just through propagating that ideology through the world? Or do you feel like secular humanist ideologies are actually harmful that actually have negative consequences? Well, there's a thin line between the two. The same way there's a thin line, I believe, between someone being extremely great to extremely switch and maybe collapse at a day or two. So no, I don't believe that atheists of any sort, uh, I mean, there are more toxic people than atheists, so I'll never mean that all atheists are toxic per se. But uh, when when we speak about belief, I we have an ethos within us and we have to hold a higher, uh, a higher value structure that we have to obey and follow. I mean, it's, it's there in all the, in all the animal instincts and in, in all of the species and it's there as in all of our instincts. And the moment we let go of a religious belief, which is how atheism actually starts. Mostly atheism will start as a product of being close to a certain religion for all your life. And then, you will react to it in a wrong way or a good way most of the time, but there are also other atheists who just adopt it as an ideology over the years. But usually when you let go of a strong belief system, either wrong or right, we're not questioning religions, whether they've been wrong or right, but when you let go of religion, you have to fill it with a certain meaning. At least religion was given a reason to live and an afterlife to look forward to. Either we believe, yeah, either we believe it or not, it's still a belief system that somehow uh, we do want to believe that there is something after that life, and an atheist will not take it uh, as it is. There is a lot of an emotional side to it. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've, I've entertained the idea of atheism for a few years in my life, and I believe everybody goes through these these kind of phases. And uh, it's 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 easy to let go and believe in something that where you can put your own value system, and it's entertaining as well. And it's 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 kind of suits. Every narcissist out there, I'll say, you know, that I'll create my own value system, value structure, and I'll just follow it. And I believe in this idea. I mean, it's not much different than when you believe in a certain way of delivering a certain message and you pursue it for the rest of your life. I mean, 
it's not it's not much of a different than that. But it is I'll, I'll keep saying it's a thin line between being being an extreme believer and being an extreme atheist. Yeah, I like how you extrapolated that to you know other belief systems rather than just atheism, and in and then greatness in general. Like it is a thin line between being greatness and and genius, um, yeah, and being passionate and excellent at something. It's a thin line between yeah. you before you you switch over to be, uh, you know, a maniac and maniacal. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, true, you know, true. you know, you're pushed by your followers to um, the the brink of no return, um, yeah, to a degree. So I, I like that articulation. As we wrap up this conversation and we think about meaning and. Uh, sacrifice. You write a lot about sacrifice and we've touched on it a little bit. Greatness uh, contributing to your life. Um, you share a story in one of your most recent articles about the passing of your father last year. And I would just love if, if you could share a little bit uh, from that. And what were some of your reflections on life, uh, purpose of life, greatness and sacrifice, lessons that you've learned from your father. I remember a few years ago when I told my dad, like, uh, dad, like, uh, I'm entertaining the idea of atheism or it's very hard to believe. And he said, well, the alternative really sucks. And, you know, just, just take it based on that. And I think what I pursued throughout my life is the alternative of pursuing really, really sucks. You know what I mean? And I think for the great people, they wouldn't know how to, do something else but really giving their best in whatever they're pursuing the ultimate thing because one percent less than per one percent less than perfection to them is is sometimes can be carnage and hell you know because they believe this is what they're supposed to do and that's what they're programmed and channeled to do they're created for that reason and one percent deviation of that can really ruin they are and sacrifice comes hand to hand with that i mean there's nothing we can achieve in this life without sacrifice i've noticed so much in, in, in my society, in our society, close ones and far away, uh, people really, really started letting go of the concept of sacrifice. You know, they want, they, they feel entitled, you know, they take everything for granted. And it's, it's a common problem. It's spoken about everywhere. It's, we see it. And I've lived with it so much with people who are very close to me. Like the whole idea of sacrifice or wanting things without putting the hard work in. And it's, 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 uh, it's what breaks someone you know, from really going to where their purpose is, what they're supposed to achieve to just being a conformist. If there's a major difference of there is, if I can pinpoint uh, a point of someone's history time of where they were able to become the 1% or they're going to remain as the 99%, it's always not really, it's, it's the lack of ability to endure pain of all sorts, physical, mental, and emotional. Now, Obviously, your father wasn't a, an Elon Musk, but would you consider him great? And if so, why why would you say that he achieved greatness? Yeah, well, he's he's a very 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 famous journalist uh, around the Middle East, and he was the vice president of the sport, the International Sport Head Sport Association. So, he was a sport journalist who worked on himself. He took care of two families at the age of 23, something we had by the age of 30 plus and 40, I know people of 40 plus who lacks the ability to do so. 
or lacks the manhood to do so or lacks the human side to do so. And my dad was actually pretty successful in his field. He was a writer as well. That's why it was very weird to me to only find out that about myself at a very, very later age of my life. But he was a very successful writer as well. To, to see how he lived his life and he really pursued of what he believed he wanted to be as a journalist, as a writer, and he reached the maximum levels of that all around the Middle East. It's, it, it was amazing to see. You know, a lot of uh, people who are close to me might not see how great he is. And uh, he's a, he was a very complex, hard man, per se. It was very easy on a lot of things, but he was very hard on, on what really matters in life. If we do something wrong, it's wrong. End of story, you know. Mm. And he had he had the close friend with him for for political reasons. I might not be able to mention any names, but he had a very, very close friend who have lost during the war 30 years ago. And how he spoke about his close friend over the last 35 years of my life, at least since I was aware of it, maybe 28 years, for the past 28 years, how how, how he really with all the temptations around for him to switch sides or to switch pens, as they say in the journalism world and to write against and not with like how much temptations he was able to say no to. That's, that's something I hope I'll have the courage to be able to withhold for the rest of my life. Cause man, uh, people fall for anything these days, mm. <laughs> you know, and it's, so we lack those sets of values that we need to take from our, from our, from our fathers, as they say. The thing that I, I heard that you share that you most admire was his, his character and his value not to compromise on things that matter and that he wasn't able to be bought off. He wasn't be able to be, be swayed um, yeah. by, by the temptations of further riches or further fame or, or further yeah. approval, but he stuck to um, things of, that he valued in, in, in his character and he stood by that. Yeah, I mean, how many of the people around us nowadays have these kind of values? It's very hard to pinpoint these days. When you're not holding a value system, a lot of consequences can happen after that. Mm. A lot of collapsing that, that can happen within you for that. If, you're not, if you don't know what you're really living for, if you don't know what you're really standing for, if you're not really listening to your instinct and really following your, your calling, and if you're not clean enough to even hear it in the beginning, so that's also another problem to deal with. You know, a lot of people want to be at a certain uh, status of life or a certain position without really doing the sacrifices they have to do on a daily basis. You know, no, you don't have to go out every day. No, you don't have to be on your phone all the time. There's a lot of things, you know, no, no, you don't have to watch TV all the time. You have to read, you have to put on the hours, you have, you have to sacrifice things that you actually think that you want to do, you know, which is just ultimate trust and ultimate fun, which we all like to do these things. Mm -hmm. We all have hours, but they the moment they realize that it feels much better to to indulge in whatever lusts we have in our lives it's after you've put on the work on the things that matters and you reward yourself in the process so much greatness can come out of that by equaling your life like an hour for hour you know if i do this i'm gonna do this first if i do that i'm gonna do this first and so much of it can come it's just the hard work of things to sacrifice is the ultimate of it of it all i believe so you have to live in an idea that I'm sacrificing. Mean, we sacrifice everything we learn on every day, every line of words you read. If you learn something from it, you actually sacrifice an old idea in your head that had to die with it. So it's kind of, it's embedded in our nature. Mm. Yosef, I think that's, I think that's powerful. I think that's um, valuable. And I want to end on that note. Um, just that note of 
first you have to sacrifice. Sacrifice is required to to yeah. be great. And then you need to know your values. You have to have that a value system embedded. And that has to be rooted in something. And you know, if it's rooted yeah. in your own image, well then you're gonna manipulate your value system um, because you're incentivized to propagate your own image and your own self. And as you yeah. write about that, you know, in, in many ways birthed the horrors of Nazi Germany. And yeah. and then lastly, it's that that character and, and being yeah. rooted and grounded in characters that you would continue to sacrifice and you can continue to uphold your values even when it is to your own harm, that you continue to sacrifice even when it's your own harm and continue to stand by your values even when um, it's it's at your own cost. So, Yosef, I, yeah. I, thank you so much for opening up and sharing. It's my pleasure, Lucas Fili. Thank you so much. Don't go away. We will be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom, ancient quotes, and weave it in with our everyday lives. Today's quote, actually, I stripped from a blog from Yosef, and in his writing, he quoted the one and only Jordan Peterson. Jordan writes, you're going to pay a price for every bloody thing you do and everything you don't do. You don't get to choose to not pay a price. You get to choose which poison you're going to take. That's it. What I loved about this quote, and I'm so grateful that Yosef quoted him in his article, is that it's true. With everything that we do in life, every choice that we make in life, it comes with a cost. And it can be for the better or it can be for the worse. Every piece of content that we consume, every thought that we allow to build a nest in our head with every word that we speak. Because we will be judged for every careless word we speak, every careless word that we speak over our kids or over our marriage or over our business actually has an impact on our kids, our marriage and our business and our relationships. So we're making choices in those matters and we can, we can choose taking this example of, of words and word curses and, and what we speak over our lives, we can choose to give in to the complaining, to the criticism. We can choose to give in to a narrative about our children or a narrative about our spouse or a narrative about why we can't make it in business or why it's so hard. We can choose to give in. And we can speak those words of criticism and death and curses over our life. Or we can choose to sacrifice our feeling of victimhood. We can choose to sacrifice our, our feelings of entitlement. And we can take responsibility. We can take ownership. And we can sacrifice that feeling of being absolved from responsibility and instead 
We can speak words of life. We can speak words of blessing. This sacrifice, it, it goes into every area of our life, every decision that we make. And oftentimes, it can be overwhelming. Overwhelming, and we can be paralyzed knowing and feeling like, oh my goodness, every decision that I make is having a massive impact on the rest of my future. Every decision, and we can become so caught up in this existential crisis of wondering if we're saying the right things, if we're sacrificing the right areas in our life, if we're giving ourselves and our time and our thought and our, our energy and our money to what is supposed to come out of our life, the stream of our life. We can wonder, are the boundary lines in our life, are they right? Are the riverbanks of our life, are they strong and tall that, that is leading the energy of our life to the place that it should be. And I always find that when I get stuck in that existential crisis of worry and anxiety that I've missed, I've missed it. And instead, I have to go back to what Yosef was talking about, to character and to values. And to the framework that I've developed, to the framework that I've, I, I believe in, saying, okay, well, this is the framework by which I live. And I'm going to make decisions and have my decisions flow out of a framework rather than flowing out of anxiety. And I have to sacrifice that anxiety and surrender, surrender to the fact that I am not ultimately in control of my life. And I have to sacrifice that area of control because there are many things that are outside of our control, but then there's many things that are inside of that control. So I hope as you walk away from this episode that you would think about what areas of your life are you called to sacrifice in that you might reach true greatness, not narcissism, that that breeds that breeds entitlement but of selflessness that breeds serving others and putting others before ourselves because that is a place of true confidence that is a place of true greatness thank you so much for listening to the show if you've not read my book, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting, I talk about this very concept of, of greatness in this book, of, of sacrificing the romance of new and sparkly things around every corner and how commitment and sacrifice over the long run is what causes us to be great. It would, is what causes us to reach levels of success throughout our life. Maybe it's not of a billion-dollar company, but maybe it's success in our family and greatness in our family. And that's something, in my opinion, to be admired. If you have a question about this episode or any other episodes, I love hearing from you. You can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero. And if you do, I will answer your questions right here on the show. Please share this episode with one of your friends. WhatsApp them, text them. I love when people text me 
and they would love it if you texted them. Remember, you are a truth seeker, someone who goes out and uncovers your purpose so that you can own your future.